I've listened to Apocalypse Whenever by Bad Sons well, for a week. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. everybody welcome back to spin it the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music i'm james and with me is connor that's me and this week we are talking about apocalypse whenever by bad sons it's another album that was recommended to us by the spin it writing department or the a and r department we have so many departments the spin a and r department recommended this album to us one of you listeners were like please 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 do bad sons new album when it came out and so here we are Fulfilling your wish. That's right. This album is just a little over a week old, I think, at this point. Just a a wee baby album. When we're recording it, so it'll be an extra week old by the time it actually comes out. By the time you hear it. Yeah, that's true. Now, we didn't do this one quite as intensely as we did with the band Camino's debut album, where we listened to it ten times overnight. I kind of gave this one a little more time to marinate and, uh, you know, took it a little slower. But it's kind of the same principle. I'm excited to talk about it. Me too. I'm... Pretty excited to talk about it. Have you ever listened to Bad Sons? Not really. Uh, one of my coworkers, uh, when we go to lunch, he'll sometimes have their songs on. So I've maybe heard an oddball single here or there, but I've refused to let them uh, play any of these songs once we determined we were going to do it so that I didn't hear any of them ahead of time. Good call. Good call. Yeah, I've listened to some Bad Sons before, and that's kind of why I was super excited to get into this album. I've listened to their album that was just before this, Mystic Truths, and it scored decently high on the list. So How did it score? It is ranked at number 115 right now on the spreadsheet with a score of 88.4. Okay, so almost broke top 100. It did, and after listening to these two albums, I can say that there are a lot of differences between the two of them. Interesting. But for now, let's talk about Bad Sons. They are a Los Angeles-based alt-pop band, and they formed in 2012. Still kind of a newer band, although I guess it's been a decade now. In the grand scheme of all music, that's newer. <laughs> Gavin Bennett plays the bass, Christo Bowman is the singer and he plays the guitar, Ray Libby plays the guitar, and Miles Morris is the drummer and percussionist. Their style is largely inspired by a lot of post-punk bands from the 70s and 80s, but it has way more of a modern flair to it. You know, a little bit of that contemporary twist on what you would kind of call post-punk. They signed with Vagrant Records and put out their first album called Language and Perspective back in 2014. And so far, to date, they've only put out four albums, but their debut EP hit number 41, and their first full album made it to number 24 on the U.S. Billboard 200. Huffington Post actually called their debut record one of 2014's best albums. And they've received a lot of praise for their song Salt and the music video that accompanies it from MTV. People weren't salty about it. Yeah, people were not salty about salt. Now, this album, Apocalypse Whenever, just came out like we've mentioned on January 28th, 2022, which of course makes it our first album from the year 2022 that we've talked about on the podcast. Happy New Year. (laughs) It's a pretty poppy album, but also it's got these really strong alt vibes and and those same kind of themes lyrically. But generally, I think a lot of these songs are very like bright, sunshiny, poppy, right? I got strong alt vibes. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. 
Apocalypse Whenever is their second album with Epitaph Records, the same record label that put out their third album, Mystic Truths. This record was produced by Eric Palmquist, and it was their third time working with him. He didn't work on Mystic Truth, but he's been involved with all of their other projects. Interesting. Yeah, so the two Bad Sons albums that I know are the one that he didn't work on, and then this one that he did. So I'm curious to go back and see if I can figure out what his fingerprint is on some of their earlier work. Yeah. This album is 13 tracks long, and they released six of them as singles. Six singles is a lot for any record. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty common nowadays in the alt world. I don't know. It feels like a lot of like alt and indie artists release a lot of their songs as singles. Yeah, sometimes two or three or four. But, like, six just felt like a lot. And the first one came out in September 2020. It's been a long time coming for this album. Yeah, if you've been a fan of Bad Sons forever, Apocalypse Whenever was, like, a long wait just getting single by single for more than a year. The six singles that they did release were Baby Blue Shades, Heaven is a Place in My Head, When the World Was Mine, Wishing Fountains, Peachy, and Life Was Easier When I Only Cared About Me. The band calls this album the soundtrack to a movie that doesn't exist yet. I would see that movie. You'd see this? Yeah. Okay, I think I would too. It's an interesting way to conceptualize this record, I think, and I like it. So as you're listening, if you haven't yet, and if you want to know the songs that we're about to talk about, you should, try and frame it in that context of like a movie soundtrack for a movie that doesn't exist. I like it too, because, you know, movie soundtracks have to be very cohesive, right? They have to, you know, the themes that run through them have to all work very well and fit the movie that you're watching, right? And I would say, and a little spoiler alert for what's to come, they did a very good job of accomplishing that on this album. Yeah. I would agree with that. Without further ado, I think it's time for another round of everybody's favorite truth and lie game show. Fact or spin? Everybody's favorite truth or lie game show on Spin It. Let's not, you know, let's not go too big here with our labels. Do you have another favorite truth or lie game show? Potentially. I mean, think of all the truth or lie game shows that exist out there. You really think our, ours is their favorite? Is there one? I can't think of one. I'm sure they exist. <laughs> I'm sure they exist. <laughs> think of all of them. There's gotta be something else. I'm just trying to manage expectations is all I'm trying to do. If we keep it limited to our podcast then this has to be their favorite it's the only one. Oh, you're trying to that's a magician's trick you're too much of a magician trying to force favorites on people it works fair enough all right uh the mixtaper is trying to grab the microphone on my hand i'm taking too long so here he is it's me the mixtaper back for another week of factor spin i'm still hung up on that snowman fact i'm just picturing randy travis getting stuck in a door with his big snowball hips that's funny aren't we all (laughs) maybe no Probably not. I don't know much about Bad Sons. You kind of got a, a bit of an easier job this week. Yeah, I love it when you ha- when you have limited knowledge on the artist because that means anything is possible. Yeah, I knew a lot about Randy Travis and I've known a lot about Stevie Wonder and some of the others. Bad Sons is one I'm coming into a little more blind. The flip side of that coin is it also is more work on me for finding truths, right? I have, a, you know, the, the world is my oyster when it comes to spins, but finding truths about some of these lesser known artists or something sometimes trickier. Fair point. And so with that, let's just jump right into it, shall we? Waste no time, yes. My first one for you, Gavin Bennett is allergic to avocados and latex. That's an interesting thing to have known publicly about you. Like, imagine if I could just Google you and know that you were allergic to latex and avocados. True. Now, I've heard of that. Is this that allergy where, like, the protein or something in them is kind of similar, and so it triggers the same? Yeah, it's absolutely what it is. The proteins found in avocados are very similar to the ones found in rubber latex. What's the protein called? Uh, I don't know. I'm not I'm not a protein doctor. You're, you're an amateur teen. All right. That's, I hate that. I thought the more ludicrous thing was going to be that I called myself a protein doctor and not just a protein expert, but you really 
Knocked that one out of the park. Protein Doctor's fun, too. Okay, uh, how did he find out that he was allergic to these things? Is there a story behind the discovery? Yeah, he ate an avocado as a child. Allergic reaction. Doctors were like, hey, we should probably get you tested for latex as well. And turns out also allergic to latex. The world is your oyster with the spins, and the facts are hard to find. I have to be honest, this one feels like a little bit of a dud. Hey! <laughs> he just has an allergy. This is just like a normal thing. I'm not... You haven't asked the interesting question yet. Well, I can't just dig around all day. Um, what's the interesting question? Well, you know, some people, you know, like when you uh, are lactose intolerant or you have an allergy to a certain thing, you kind of ignore it. You just do the thing anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was waiting on you to ask if he did the thing anyways, which he does. Avocados are one of his favorite foods. No way. Uh, wait, why? Avocado. Listen, I don't care if you like avocado. That's fine. It's not that good of a food. Uh, listen, our generation disagrees with you on that one, apparently. Everyone, it seems like everyone in our generation is all about the avocados. Well, I'm fine with, yeah, I'm all about avocados too, but like, if I have to choose between not eating an avocado and anaphylactic shock, like, I'll just pass on the avocado, thanks. So his allergy is mild. He, he just kind of gets a bit of an like, itchy throat. It doesn't really swell up or anything. It's just he, can, he gets all scratchy. Okay. But it's worth it for that avocado goodness, I guess. Sweet mood avocado. Yeah, he talked about it in, in a Twitter post. Yeah, okay. What the Twitter post say? Sometimes known as a tweet. We're just talking about how great avocado is and it's sad that he's allergic to it. Okay. You know what? That feels like it feels like a slight on latex. Okay, I'm gonna say this is true. This is true? It could be totally false, but like, man, that's a lame fact to make up. Yeah, that's true. Well, apparently I'm lame because I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh no. I really thought you... You fell for my trap. I've had all these wild, crazy facts, you know, and truths, honestly, the last handful of episodes. I haven't done a really mild one in a while. And so I thought if I went with something mild, you'd be like, he would have made up something more creative than this. Exactly what I did. It worked. The mind games worked. Is he allergic to anything that he's publicized? Nah, I have no idea. I just I just completely made this up. Okay, good lie on that one. All right, for my next one, it's time to break out the spin it mystery department again. It's been a while. Oh, no. Yeah. They've been digging in. Worried about the carrots, you know. Which, by the way, we've learned nothing about. The carrots are still a mystery. Uh, yeah, the, the department's really not doing great. Maybe it needs more funding. Maybe. But what other mystery can we add to their docket? Well, Bad Sons has a missing EP. Oh, okay. I like that. So, missing in the sense that they wrote, recorded, and were ready to release it, and then something happened? Uh, missing in the sense that they wrote, recorded, and released it, and it's somehow something has happened. Oh, it's just gone. What's the story? Did people... Is it Mandela affected? Like, people were remember listening to it and it's disappeared nope it existed supposedly i mean there seems to be trace evidence of it really what's it called uh it was called 412 or 412 i don't really know how they would have wanted it pronounced but it's the numbers 412 okay why was that the name of it I, there's very little information i could find on this it really must have disappeared then that's how missing it's gone yeah that's how that's why he's got to be added to the spinning mystery department docket when did it come out allegedly 2012 that is really missing i didn't even find it in my dig into their discography uh, it's not on their discography on wikipedia it's not on any music streaming platform you can find wow it's it's gone missing did they release it independently um they weren't signed with their label then right yeah it was a free it was a free download ep that they just put up you know on on the internet okay does the band claim it as missing or do the fans claim it as missing because it seems to me like the band took it down uh i think i think it's probably just the fans 
right? <laughs> because that's exactly what happened. The EP was taken down and seemingly scrubbed from the record books. Like it never happened. I was able to find several Reddit posts and Twitter posts about the album and trying to tr- and like fans trying to track down the songs, you know. And some people are like, "Well, here's one that I happen to have saved because it was my favorite." And somebody else is like, "Oh, I have a link to this one." And so like they've slowly been able to piece together like four or five tracks from it. Wow, that's impressive. Um, some of the songs have uh, they the fans think have been re-released on other albums with slightly different names like their single time 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 i don't know if that's one you're familiar with it's not apparent apparently you know i have uh, no I, I don't can't say for certain this is just what the people on reddit are saying it sounds very similar to the song time that was supposedly on this ep and so they think they just have taken it and changed it some and give it a new name i think that's possible and then there was this weird twitter post back in like 2012 on bad son's twitter that says that's saying happy april 12th which would be 412 you know yeah uh with a picture of three arms that have a tattoo of an eye and under the eye is the numbers 412 oh but i've looked at pictures of the band members and I don't see that tattoo on any of them, so I don't really know where that came from. Cryptic. Very cryptic and mysterious. It's like, are we living in a simulation? Why did the EP get taken down? Did it ever really exist? Like, what's going on here? The Spinet Mystery Department needs to get us answers. Well, I'm gonna, at least for the start of the Spinet Mystery Department answers, I'm gonna speak for them and say, I think this is a fact. Yeah, this is indeed a fact. It's just when I came across it, had to bring it to the attention of our mystery department. You know, couldn't couldn't ignore it. Right. Spin it mystery team. Uh, roll out on that one when you get the chance. Whenever you figure out what happened to Aerosmith's carrots, then you can maybe take a look at this one. That's a cool fact. I like that one. Okay. We're that's way better than he is allergic to avocado. Yeah, but which one got you? Okay. Point taken. I know you're here for the game, not for the content. Uh, number three for you here. Technically, the first song the band ever played together was the watermelon crawl. Ooh. When you say technically, what do you mean? Like, well, they weren't officially called bad sons at the time no i wouldn't imagine and did they play it like at an event or like a for something yes what was it for it was part of a battles of the bands contest oh did they win uh no not that i'm aware of oh oops uh it was this contest where they were where they were given a surprise song and had so many hours to practice it before they had to perform a version of it that was the song oh i like that that's a cool concept okay so when did this happen uh back in 2011 oh before they were officially you know a band at all yes i said they weren't called bad sons yet yeah right is were had they played together before this I guess they wouldn't have if this is the first song they played. Yes. Well, Ray Gavin and Miles were actually part of a different band before forming Bad Sons. Okay. What was that band called? Blackout 101. That's pretty cool. That's a good band name. Yes, it's a great band name. None of them were founders of the band, but due to the founders having eventually left the band, eventually the trio became the sole members and then just rebranded themselves as Bad Sons and added their fourth member. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, if a son is blacked out. It would be a pretty bad sun. All right, now. (laughs) Enough out of you. Have they played the Watermelon Crawl since then? God, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to hear their current version of the Watermelon Crawl. I think this is also true. Uh, I like the concept of a battle of the bands. They wouldn't be our first band that's come together, you know, before being their official band. And it seems like a battle of the bands is a good way to build unity. Well, as good of a way as it is, unfortunately, it's a spin. This this is not true. Again, completely made up. Although, well, the Blackout 101 stuff was true, but all the stuff about the Battle of the Bands and the Watermelon Crawl, completely made up. Right. So the first song that they would have played was probably just something else. Yeah, well, whatever they were playing in 
Blackout 101. Is that a real concept for a battle of the bands, though? Because I don't know if it is, but it needs to be. It needs to be. Yeah, I like that. But yeah, Blackout 101 is the other Bad Sons mystery that exists out there, or like lore, I guess, not necessarily mystery, because everybody knows. If you're a fan of Bad Sons and you're a deep fan of them, you've maybe heard of Blackout 101 and the lore behind that, or those lesser-known facts. Now it's a little less lesser-known. Speaking of lesser-known facts, I got one more for you. Last one, standard four. You know how it is. If you've been a fan of this podcast for a while, you know standard four facts. I've been a fan of this podcast for quite a while, so I'm well aware. Well, for this one, it's Bad Sons performed part of the score for The Princess Bride. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That's you're throwing facts out here. Okay, so The Princess Bride obviously far predates Bad Sons and even Blackout 101. Yep. The Is there a remake of The Princess Bride? It's happening? Oh, it's already happened. Have I missed it? Okay, go on. In June of 2020, a Quibi exclusive series called Home Movie, colon, The Princess Bride released. Yes, I remember hearing about that. Yes, for those of you who don't remember hearing about that, the series is a TV show, a fan-made version of the original movie. The characters, the plot, the script, all the same, but the actors all recorded themselves while in quarantine using their phones. And all the characters are played by a multitude of different actors throughout the series. You know, like, they'll change uh, throughout. And so, like, the grandson, you know, the grandson who's sick in bed getting told the story, is played by people like Josh Gad, McKenna Grace, uh, Joey King, and then Fred Savage even makes an appearance who played the grandson in the original movie. The grandfather is played by Rob Rayner and J.K. Simmons and Sarah Silverman, you know, just... All these, Adam Sandler does it at one point. There's just all these famous celebrities recorded themselves acting out specific parts of the scenes and then they stitched them all together. I like that. And so Bad Sons was not in the movie, but they provided some of the score. Yes, Bad Sons was one of the artists who contributed to the musical score of the series. Who are some of the artists that contributed alongside of them? Like who else was on the, the credits? Uh, Ethan Gruska, Blake Mills, Matteo Messina, Phoebe Bridgers, Bahamas, Sylvan Iso, maybe is how that's pronounced. Perfume Genius, that's one I don't recognize either. Okay, I know some of those names. That's exciting and it makes me want to go watch it. What they play? Any specific song in particular or just like some instrumental piece? I don't know. Okay. Ooh, this is a hard one. I, I definitely know that existed. It's just tough to tell whether they did the score or not. Um, I think I'm going to say yes. I, I think I'm going to say this is true. There are some stretches of song on this album that kind of felt almost movie soundtrack-esque. Well, the whole album's supposed to be a soundtrack to a movie that doesn't exist. To a movie that doesn't exist. That's a good point. You're right. So I'm going to tentatively say that this is true, and we'll either go 50-50 or 3-1. and one. We're going 50-50. This is a true fact. Ah. All right. Again, just way too cool not to include. That is really cool. Yes. The Princess Bride, the original, I can't speak for the whole movies one yet. The original is a, a great movie. Cult classic. It's a great It's a great concept. Uh, I'm excited. We should add it to the Spin It Movie Night. It's, the list is forever long. We'll go. It'll be Click Clack Moo, then Jaws, then The Princess Bride. Other notable names who played characters in there, Neil Patrick Harris, BJ Novak, you know, from The Office. Uh, Elijah Wood from Lord of the Rings. Only two characters from the original um, reappear in it. So Fred Savage, who I already mentioned, who played the grandson in the original, reprised his role as the grandson. He's the only character to play his original role. Carrie Yules, who played, you know, 
Wesley. Yeah. Uh, he shows up in the final confrontation, but he plays as he plays uh, Humperdinck instead of Wesley. Oh, so. now the tables have turned. Yes, he plays Humperdinck uh, opposite Paul Rudd in that scene. So that just sounds great. That sounds <laughs> wild. <laughs> well, that's a 50-50 week on Factor Spin for Bad Sons. Feels good. I've had some not 50-50 weeks here lately, you know, where it was barely getting you on one. So I'm glad that both of my spins are the ones that got you. And the ones that didn't were the two really cool truths that I just couldn't ignore. Naturally. Yeah, it was a good week. It was not a blackout 101 for either one of us. And with that, I'll see you next week. Yes, you will. For another hopefully exciting episode of Fact or Spin. It's always an exciting episode. Yeah. All right. Welcome back, Connor. I'm back. Welcome. You just you just welcome yourself back. <laughs> Apparently. I don't, I don't really All know. All right. Ah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Let's talk about the album art for Apocalypse Whenever. It's pretty simple. I know I said that a couple of times. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's definitely nifty. This is, it's a very pink album. And there's like this lipsticked mouth coming in from the left side. It almost looks like a like a 1950s. I don't know. It it kind of is like reminiscent of something retro like that. And down in the bottom right hand corner, it's Apocalypse Whenever in a really aggressive cursive script. And in a slightly darker pinkish red hue is their uh, symbol that they have that kind of their band logo. Yeah, well, the that logo that they've used it's the zaya sun symbol which is actually it's a sacred symbol of the zaya people who are a branch of native american pueblo tribes in the southwest they actually got sued over the use of the logo yeah i did a little digging into that too uh the mix don't tell the mixtaper the mixtaper purposely avoided it knowing you probably couldn't help yourself and dug into it yeah yeah the symbol you know you're supposed to get permission from the tribe and then like pay donations to their like charities and stuff if you if you use the symbol and generally they're pretty gracious with it but i guess that's something that bad sons never did and so yeah they got sued over the use of it but it it seems like the ruling was that they had changed it enough right yeah which i don't quite see the ways that it's been changed i looked at a comparison of the two and they seem similar the the lines are all the lines are all different lengths compared to the original is the difference otherwise it's the same (laughs) yeah fair enough but that's what its roots are in the pueblo tribes in the southwest and the band says that they've kind of given it their own meaning and uh it, it like expanded upon what it meant to the what it means to the zaya people but that's the album cover uh, it's 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 provocative. It's very cool. Like I said, I like how pink it is. I, I have a bunch of albums, but none for actual records. This it would be one I would contemplate having on, on vinyl, just because I think the, the album cover would be cool. Yeah, well, I mean, the album cover's cool, and the album behind it is pretty cool. Yeah, let's talk about how cool it is. Let's do it. The first track on the album is the title track, uh, Apocalypse Whenever, and I like it a lot as an album opener it feels like an intro track especially with the way that it kind of fades in with this really simple guitar riff yeah that really soft crescendo it starts off very soft and just crescendos all the way up through like the first verse yeah also a very catchy beat it is it's true okay i'm gonna preface by saying i think i might be a little nitpicky with this album and i think part of that is just because it's new i was afraid of this that's just how whenever it's something you haven't listened to for your whole month you're always way more nitpicky on it i know well i felt myself doing it as i was going through and 
So, like, I mean, bear with me. Get to the final score before you make your judgments on it. Oh, I'll be judging you the whole way. Don't worry. I understand. Oh, you did it on the other episodes, too. It's fine. I don't like how many times they say life in the first verse, right? It doesn't feel varied enough. They go, life tried to break me. Life fell apart. Life's not been pretty. I never felt so alive. Just in the first, like, 20 seconds of the song, I was like, ah, settle down. (laughs) Like, it's a lot of life and live and life. Okay, if we're going to count the word alive, then I guess it's four. But otherwise, it's only three times we've had more egregious repetitive lyrics it's just what's so condensed into that short period of time they really uh just linger on that emotion i guess that that sense of alive is just very prevalent really early on but i mean flip that with the verse love's hard to find and hard to lose i love that oh yeah it's very good the problem with uh the verse for me and i guess it's just due to the fact that they started with a chorus and then went into a verse it couldn't happen but what i really wanted to happen because they again they were crescendoing they were rising the intensity level that entire time right up through that first chorus as it kind of builds it stair steps up right and so when we got to the end of it i wanted it to explode into a big hit but instead it just mellowed out into the verse and that was kind of a bummer to me i mean that's fair well this song is an excellent play on dynamics though to start as small as it does and then to expand into as big as it gets that was my more nitpicky critique on the opening song the rest of it was great it's a great headbanging song the whole hook of it right is apocalypse whenever i can't live in fear forever right so the whole point of this song and i guess the thread that they want you to focus on as you're pulled through this album is the idea come what may let's just do it right nike swoosh i feel like i need to throw out here right now i have no idea what i'm doing on a top three right now i thought this would be a tougher top three for you oh my gosh like i don't have a single song marked down in my top three right now i could be persuaded so many different directions and so there's there are a couple that i know aren't top three but everything else is up for grabs and so i'll point them out as we go and then i guess i'll pick them at the end maybe if i can and so summer lightning is the first one that i that is in top three contention so apocalypse whenever then is is one that's not even close uh no it's close it's just compared i mean let me count real fast one two three four songs are not in top three or carnival mention territory oh that leaves nine i know so that's why i say it's like while the and those other four are still really good it's just i already had nine of them that i felt were better and so i think i can safely eliminate those four but the other nine are up for grabs summer lightning anyway to move on your first in contention for top three i guess it's track two does the auto tune that they do on this work for you so we just gotten off of having identity crisis connor uh last week but boy is he back this week there's gonna be two things on this album that gave me a bit of an identity crisis and the first one being the auto-tune i think it worked with their sound it does uh much better than other times yes much better than i think most every other time i've we've done an artist that did auto-tune on this podcast i think it really fit their sound really well i mean that's fair i love that line in the pre-chorus adjust my expectations for a little less sunshine what a fun metaphor unique metaphor it is did not love the first line summer lightning fun and frightening that one stinks no i like it no one i've found does letting me down quite like you that's top tier i mean every time that they do something i'm like oh they bring it right back and i'm like oh okay you know so i can't even be too mad about the things that kind of rub me the wrong way i'll agree fun and frightening itself is a bit of a it's a throwaway line like it doesn't really do much yeah but the way they hit it you know it's necessary because you get that first summer lightning that they hold out you have to have something that lines with lightning that you can hold out 
And I think fun and frightening is a good enough line to have there to fit that structure. Oh, but it's so much weaker than the rest of the lyrics. But I what, mean, what, what would you some put of the other there? things, I don't know. I know, you need something that can put have the same number of syllables in the rhyme scheme the way you need it. You know, follow the rhythmic structure. You really limit yourself on what you can put there. And it's just, it's such a good hit, how they hit it, that I think one line that's there simply for structural purposes is okay. Well, that's the thing, too. Every time they bat me down in one sense, whether it's lyrically or musically, the other part is always strong enough that I'm like, well, okay, right? This time the lyrics are weak, but the music is stronger, and they follow it up with better lyrics. For like some of these lyrics are great, right? Poisonous temptations, the rain swept streets, like we'll never go the distance down the path of least resistance. It's true. But then there are some massive duds, like I'll save up my money, I'll follow you, honey. So I'm this whole album I've constantly been in like a tug of war with the lyrics. And I can feel that pickiness coming in because we've had some e- I when I've pointed out in the past some equally lame rhymes, you'd be like, Oh no, it's great, it's fine. And here you are messing on money and honey when there's plenty of other things you could be worried about. Well, I'm just saying the whole album, every time something kind of hit me wrong, everything else hit me way more right, you know? And the one thing I did think about Summer Lightning was that it felt a little caught in a rut on the melody. I don't think it does enough different on the verses and the choruses. Like, they feel like they try and give it some variation from time to time, but I felt like they just beat each of those sections to death. Really? I felt like it, yeah. It is electrifying. It's an electrifying song. That's the lightning of it. And I think it does that well. But it does, it just feels like it's missing a lot of depth and I guess the richness of some of these other songs. Summer Lightning feels a little not, yeah, it's missing a lot of the sonic depth for me. Whereas some of these other ones feel like they have a little more range. This one just didn't. One of those songs is track three, Baby Blue Shades. All right, before we get into this one, I have a question for you. Yes. So last week you had a big problem with Baby Blue Eyes. Does Baby Blue Shades have the same problem? No, no, it's because Randy Travis called himself, he called his own eyes baby blues. Well, this one he's talking about he's going to buy himself some baby blue shades, so I just I just want to make sure where the line was. No, the line is calling your own eyes baby blues. Gotcha. I really actually, so first of all, baby blue shades is a fast favorite of mine. It was pretty early on one that I latched onto, and it's remained that way, one of my top tiers. I really like the way that baby blue shades kind of work as, a, as an opposite for rose-colored glasses, right? You put on your rose-colored glasses, and you're ignoring the red flags the bad things you know you're seeing things better and these buying your you know baby blue shades means that you're seeing the bad things and avoiding them and actually being better instead of just letting yourself get worse and worse and that's the whole point of the song right it's this breakup song where he's changing for the better but his partner doesn't see that and he wants the old him back i really do like the clever parallel uh to rose colored glasses like you said like that's that feels like what the song's meant to be is kind of like the opposite of that this is the next one in contention for top three territory as it should be it's got it's poppy enough to keep keep the song moving but smooth and melodic enough to keep it on the softer side that fits with their summer lightning and apocalypse whenever vibe they've set yes i also i really like the stinger on this song they end it with that little do 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 it's like do 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 and it ends just bam yeah uh you like a hard stop it's nice stingers are good every once in a while it's true I have a question. Okay. Can you see the moon from your kitchen? Yeah, I have a picture of the moon in my kitchen. <laughs> you have a you have a picture of the moon in your kitchen? No, but how great would it have been if I did and I was able to throw that at you? Well, that... <laughs> but, like, why lie? Ah, the mixtape is rubbing off on me too much. Whatever. I can't see the moon from my kitchen. I don't have a window in my kitchen, so... No. <laughs> no, I don't either. And so this song made me a little sad. I was like, man, 
I couldn't even see the moon through my kitchen. But can you see through the decision since you can't see the moon? I don't know. That's another, it's a weird but unique way to express that sentiment. I can see the moon from my kitchen. I can't see through this decision. And I like how this song too, I mean, it's about this breakup and it's about being better and moving on, like improving yourself, but it's not without its fair share of regret. I miss how you hold me. Each kiss feels lonely, but I know I'm on the right track, right? Even though this old thing is, it's the apoptosis moment right? The bad stuff's dying and we're making way for new, better things. I like Baby Blue Shades. If I were top three-ing on this album, I would give one of my top threes to Baby Blue Shades. It's just Peachy. I see what I did there. See what I did there. The next song is Peachy. Peachy's track four. It's another early musical favorite of mine. They really went through a strong stretch here on two, three, four. This is one of the ones that didn't make contention for top three. I understand. I felt to me that the start of it um, the very start of the song was the least cohesive start compared to the three tracks that came before it. Yeah. But then it, it did, but like you said, how every time they do something you don't like, they fix it or they hit you with something better. Yep. Uh, that they really locked in when they hit the pre-chorus. It was just that first verse felt off. But as soon as they hit that pre-chorus, it was clicked in and it was like pedal to the metal, you know? Yeah. It's definitely the same kind of thing for me. This one, musically, like I said, top notch, but lyrically, it felt a little too lofty. It's not a lot that's concrete. Okay, no, I'm going to disagree with you on that for two reasons. I mean, maybe the majority of the song, but there's two specific instances that I highlighted in my notes that blew me away. Let me just say, if it's verse two, it doesn't count. What's wrong with verse two? Well, the first two, verse two, I liked. Yeah, verse two is where both of the moments were. So uh, (laughs) I guess it doesn't count. So see, verse two doesn't count. Verse two is great right? One of the ones I loved was they said the 4th of July, your blue and bloodshot sparkling eyes. That is maybe the best line on the album, right? The sparklers, the red, white, and blue, the backwards way that they say blue and bloodshot. I just liked all of that. Well, and, you know, talking about blue eyes brings you right back to Baby Blue Shades. Well, I mean, yeah, it does. Followed up within the next line, look towards the Symphony of Lights, which is the closing song. Yep. Uh, and then right into the only mention of the actual title of this song, I'm Feeling Peachy Take a Bite, which perfectly sums up what I think the song's about. And so, like, that, that entire verse just really slams you with each lyric. I know. Well, while it slams you, the rest of the song is lyrically not holding water for me. I Off of one listen, I can't dispute it, so that's under review for future listens it's the chorus just being hard to imagine hard to believe like there's nothing tangible and then the bridge i don't love like don't change even on the worst days funerals and birthdays turbulence and earthquakes i don't know it's just uh i like that funerals and birthdays turbulence and earthquakes that was a fun little slant rhyme there and great comparison you know funerals versus birthdays is like a contrast within turbulence and earthquakes both kind of go together but one's in the air and one's on the ground like so there was like some fun like contrasting going on there i mean a little bit and then the slant rhyme was clever again those were some bigger words that they were able to get to go together but i will tell you i will agree with you that it's hard to imagine hard to believe that's a few too many times one last little trivia tidbit about this song though is before the album came out way back in december of 2021 way back like it wasn't two months ago they set up a hotline number that you could call and it would play a sneak preview of peachy and then announce all the release info for the album that's cool isn't it i know it's a neat little thing another detail that seems strange for you who doesn't know much about Bad Sons to Know, Mixtaper's over here giving you a judging look through the microphone. Well, you didn't know it. I didn't. Mixtaper might have. I guess he might have. I don't know. The next song is track five, When the World Was Mine. This one was a little bit more of a grower. I'm still not 100% sold on this one in terms of the verse instrumentation, especially. So the fact that you say it's a grower is actually concerning because I think I successfully eliminated it from top three territory. But if it's going to grow on me, that's concerning. It might not. It might not. Because it was 
was almost in top three territory. It was super catchy. This was the first song that I wrote in my notes that I knew I was going to struggle with top three. <sighs> There's just a lot about it I really like, but it's a song that trying to think back on right now, I'm struggling to remember. I guess it's the best way to sum it up. Sure. Well, like listening to it in the moment, I was like, yeah, I like this. But now sitting here having to talk about it, I'm like, why did I like this? <laughs> This one felt more reminiscent. So this whole album has been really like, again, it's been the sunshine alt pop, Bad Sons. Uh, When the World Was Mine feels a little bit more like Mystic Truth's Bad Sons to me. It's not quite as, I guess, lofty. It's a little more, I don't know. I hate to just vaguely say the word grounded, but it feels a little more uh, like closer to the ground, closer to earth, right? There's a, a lot of nice imagery in it, but. I was sorry, I, th- I kind of felt it was very, it was, it saw that loftiness to it. It was talking about, I don't know, it felt like, uh, I, I guess it maybe feels a little more grounded because they're talking about an experience like when we were 18, like it, it feels like they're trying to ground it that way maybe a little, but there's still a lot of lofty ideals in the song it's true i think what it is is instead of the chorus jumping up and being uh i guess kind of the higher part of the song i don't care what we do can i kick it with you is is way down lower so the chorus doesn't like ramp up into anything it kind of just dives down into that and i have a question for you mr got to hear multiple times and usually can answer most of my questions yeah uh what instrument is that that's bouncing from left to right in my in my headphones as i'm listening to this good question it really is noticeable in the interlude is that's where I first noticed it, but it then continued after the interlude. I don't know if it was there before it or not. Now that I'm listening to it currently, the bass is so good too, Ooh, which is part of probably why it feels so grounded. It sounds like it's just a synthesizer. I guess probably, but it's I really liked it. It was fun to listen to as it was just beeping and booping from left to right, kind of ping pong. It felt like I was playing a game of Pong, you know, from the Atari. <laughs> it does, yeah. It feels <laughs> a little bit like Pong. For all you older listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pong was a video game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. When the World Was Mine is okay. I think we're in a little bit of a dip period of the album for me. Just a short one, a small one at this point. But When the World Was Mine was not my favorite. Wishing Fountains is also one that I just can't get into. I guess looking at it, I have to agree with you. Again, because... I liked every song on this album, but Peachy, When the World Was Mine, and Wishing Fountain, all three are not in the top three territory. And again, there's only four of them that weren't. And so... Yeah, and three of them right in a row like that. Hmm. And the other one was the first one. So (laughs) for those of you playing the numbers game, be prepared for what's to come. (laughs) Oh, boy. This song... Okay, bear with me. Okay, it reminded me a little of a Smashing Pumpkins song, just in the way that he sings it and the general musical sound of it. Like, he's got that really flat Billy Corgan tone to his voice, and some of the stringed instruments in the back really kind of gave it that aura for me. I guess, yeah. Like, sonically. Yeah. If you took a track from Siamese Dream and you ran it through an alt-popifier, it would come out like this. (laughs) This was my least favorite of the ballads on the on the album too yeah the chorus is really really dragged out wishing fountains we pray for change in the dark moving mountains we end up right where we start that's it but it just it takes a long time to get there it takes forever yeah this is the first song that the repetitivity kind of started to get to me (laughs) yeah getting into the identity crises uh, for the episode, I'm usually a big uh, naysayer on repetitiveness. Yeah, say nay. <laughs> the majority of this album, there's a decent amount of repetitivity just to the genre, right? That's kind of one of the things is you repeat your chorus. In a, and for the most part, it works. And I don't mind it. It doesn't feel too repetitive to me. I'm just grooving along having fun. But of course, it's the freaking ballad that it does feel too repetitive on, right? <laughs> it's like, come on. Okay, yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's what you like and what you don't. But man, this is still a pretty sounding ballad. It is. As lacking the lyrics are, musically, it's very pretty. I wouldn't even say the lyrics are all the way lacking. Again, the second verse of this song is probably the strongest part for me. Set fire to your dress, then I smash my reflection. Why would you string me along? A drunken, bloody mess in a world of condescension. It's always me in the wrong. Like, that's a line. That's a verse. Yeah, it is. And it's, again, crazy, because one thing we talk about a lot is how the second verse is usually the hardest to write. And here they are, time after time, making the second verse their best. Just nailing the second <laughs> verse. Yeah, they really need to uh, learn how to have problems correctly. <laughs> like, struggle like the rest of us. The, that and I thought the end was really good. the The last little last little sting of the song is the world's not falling apart, but you and I, baby, we are. We're having our own little apocalypse. Whenever, yeah. Uh, I like the cacophony of voices during the interlude of the ahs and oohs. Yeah, you're all about the interludes today. They're, they're nailing them. There's also some really good harmonies on this song too that I think help it out a lot. It's just one of those songs like the verses are are good, but the chorus just isn't there to back it up all the time. I can get behind that. The next song, next in the top three contention, Electric Circus. Yes. I have a question for you on this one as well. Fantastic. What's your question? Do you think the circus got struck by the summer lightning? Is that why it's electric? You know, I couldn't say. Now, this one's also high on my list of favorites. I love the background vocals all the way through this one. I want to put it in my top three, but I want to put nine songs in my top three. <laughs> right. I don't know what to do. Another alt-poppy band we did is one we mentioned earlier in the episode. The Band Camino episode, right? And I know I was pretty critical of their song, Look Up, for being such a boring take on a phone song or a text song, whatever. And I think I, think I said that there are ways that you could bring new life to this played-out feature. Feeling. And here you go, right? Electric Circus does exactly that. It does everything that I wanted Look Up to do. Because it's not just, hey, stop, phone bad. It's like I'm using this as an unhealthy coping mechanism for my problems. It feels way more fresh. I guess I have to, I guess I have to once issue an official spin it apology uh, to you and say, I guess I agree with you. Compared to this, Look Up just doesn't compare. It, compared I guess. to this, it does not compare. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I offer an official spin it retraction slash apology. Wow. I've waited a dozen episodes for this day. Um. <laughs> well, what they say is it's dream electric dreams, perfect on the surface, but then you got to dig deeper, right? To be heard is to hurt less. Nothing's what it seems at this electric circus. Mm -hmm. I love that. Everything about that feels right. It feels good, right? That's that's a heck of a way to express this. Okay, uh, make sure. I guess I should clarify and hope that you heard it too, and it wasn't just my headphones doing something crazy. But at the, at the, towards the end of the first verse, there was some weird like static effect that went onto his voice as he said electric circus. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Again, this is this is the other identity crisis I had this episode was I'm typically not a fan of like weird sound effects or talking during songs and stuff like that. I've been critical of that on pretty much every album that's had it. Yeah, I liked it on this one. <laughs> I liked the static there. The cell phone ring that comes in uh, and I think verse two or somewhere uh, and maybe in one of the later choruses where he talks about the cell phone ringing and they put an actual ring sound. I love that. Loved that. Yeah. The skipping. I, for a second there, I thought like I was, I got transported to like listening to an actual album and it like skipping. <laughs> yeah. When we got to that part in the interlude. I think it does a good job of like, it's very transportive. It puts you in that with the glitchy kind of vocal, with the, the real telephone ringing at the end, pretending you didn't hear it, with the skipping like it's a record. It makes you feel very caught up in this digital electric circus, really. You're kind of along for the ride. And once again, the, the title is only said a handful of times. That's true. Not overplayed. Not 
not overplayed. Second verse, top tier. Trash my self-esteem when you're feeling worthless, hunched over a screen to feel some sense of purpose. I'm. It just does way more for me than you're stuck to your phone like super glue, right? Crushed by a tidal wave of lies and blame versus swipe left. You won't find what you're looking for. I don't know. It just this one, this one clicked, fired on all cylinders for me. Uh, I, I've already given you your apology. I know. I'm just, I'm just hammering it home a little bit. So Electric Circus was kind of a bright spot, right? We dipped down for five and six. Electric Circus brought it back up a little bit. Nightclub is kind of cool, but it mostly gets lost on me. It's not a super memorable track yet. Really? Well, we're only a weekend, but as of right now, it's not a super memorable track. A little spoiler alert. Uh. I think nightclub in just from, you know, the mixtapers research on Reddit, trying to find information about 412 also stumbled across what seems like nightclub seems to be a fan favorite amongst the community. So a lot of posts about the new album that said they really liked nightclub. I mean, I do too in the moment. It's not one, it's just not been stuck in my head yet, but in the moment I always do enjoy it. It doesn't have the staying power as some of the other songs. I'm again, blown away by the cohesiveness of both the sound of this album and the themes of this album. They're nailing it from a cohesion standpoint yeah i have to sing their praises lyrically on this one they keep describing all the different places that they're waiting right the nightclub of course but staring at the stars on the roof at bars cafes sidewalks parks like it's cool to think that we're experiencing all these things that they did together through the context of them being apart the entire time and waiting for it to come back this song also is when i discovered the probably the biggest identity crisis i've ever had on this podcast really did you hate it like (laughs) it's this weird dynamic i think on these songs where as singles i mean like you said this one doesn't have the staying powder to be super catchy and so maybe on its own standalone it's not it's just okay right but listening to it in this album order as a full album with all these themes and cohesive sounds they're like the songs are enhancing one another right uh in a way that a lot of i think most of the albums we've done just haven't done you know like we've done ones where like they've gone together well but not necessarily enhanced one another to the at this level and so it's like i'm the singles guy I, I typically am just listening to singles and prefer it that way so it's like now am i turning into an album guy like what's happening <laughs> i don't know i hope so and then i had a fun technical moment on this song that i wonder if you caught uh what's that so the song as far as i could tell it seemed like it was in four four time right yeah but i'm i'm pretty certain that the synth line is it's either super weird or it's partially in 5-4 time the synth takes this weird line where it's either super weird rhythmically or it's in 5-4 time when the rest of the song's still in 4-4 time yeah it doesn't line up it doesn't line up very well at all that's what i'm saying so i think i kind of like it i think the synth is in 5-4 time when the rest of the song is in 4-4 and i think it adds a cool like layer to the song it certainly does yes it's one of those ways that they make the sound sound retro right those synth tones are really full and i think that's a great fit for the song especially the theme of being in a night club i don't know i just like it up next life was easier when i only cared about me yes it was now i have to care about this podcast i do like the way this song comes in and they make a cool use of a lot of minor chords throughout and this feels like a very radio friendly track right it's very poppy and up tempo surprisingly so for as long as the title is you know sometimes that would indicate that it'd be a deeper cut but i think this is one that really is gonna pick up a lot of playtime. i have a question though does this song feel backwards to you how so well because he's alone he's in the dark he has no reason to breathe spinning around in an ocean of grief like it sounds like when he only cared about himself life sucked ah yes but that's the cleverness of it right because he didn't realize it sucked until her radiance blinded him and he saw the light right and now that it's gone 
he's like, oh, crap. Like, now I'm back in the crappy life, and now I realize it's crappy, right? That's, I think, the brilliance of it. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. The closest I could come... He, they set it up that they set they set it up with, like, this, oh, your life, you know, all these bad things. They set the ocean to grieve. Uh, I hope the pain never ends. Your love is so bittersweet. Like, all these things that, like, he was in all this pain ahead of time. He was living in a ghost town, you know, whatever. And he just didn't realize it. All he did was care about himself. He didn't pay attention to what kind of life he was actually living. And now he is yeah the closest i could get was that you know the love is bittersweet so it's easier because he doesn't have to put in any work but it just sucks like it's it his life is he's able to have his life suck because it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect anyone else it's just him and in that sense it's easier even though it's worse yeah yeah i i think this is a good song and uh it's a great song top three territory i'm unsurprised that it's one of the singles but i i don't know it just wasn't my personal favorite so many creative lines. You were talking about lyrics. This is a lyrical highlight for me. A lot of different images get passed through your brain as you're listening to this. Your ladder came down from the sea, like of all the ways to get somebody out from the bottom of the ocean. I don't know if ladder would have been my go-to <laughs> method, but... No, yeah, doesn't seem super effective. Here we are. Uh, this song, the use of the word kaleidoscope, or I guess in this sense, kaleidoscopic eyes forming constellations. Great freaking line. Imagine if Randy Travis had said his baby blue kaleidoscopic eyes were forming constellations. Well, that have made it better or worse? Worse. I'm just trying to say... Just trying to say, it's a little strange. Uh, that's probably this, my second favorite use of the word kaleidoscope in a song ever. Ever? Have we done the first one? I, I feel like we've talked about kaleidoscopes before. I feel like we have, but yeah, no, my favorite is uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight by Elton John. Oh, yes. When the twisting kaleidoscope moves us all in turn. It's a good one. I like the one that's in The Lion King better. It's all about lions. <laughs> anyway, here's a fun fact. Lions can't use kaleidoscopes, so that's why the lion had to be taken out of the song. It wouldn't have made any sense. Imagine how confused a lion would be if it saw through a kaleidoscope. Next time on our Spin It bonus content, we'll hold a kaleidoscope to the eye of a lion. I would love to see that. Kaleidoscope, yes. The next song is Heaven is a Place in My Head. Top three. It's a clunky title. Is it? It feels clunky. Clunkier than life was easier when I cared about me? If, there's a stretch, right? Life was easier when I only cared about me. Heaven is a place in my head. They're both pretty clunky titles, but I like it. This is a song that I like a lot for its simplicity. Like Peachy was similar, but we didn't have that anchor. This one's very, very grounded in bits of pieces of things that we understand. Car rides, summer nights, these things that are in his mind that are so emblematic of a lost summer. What's the, what the weird muffling at the beginning? It's not that weird. It's pretty standard. I didn't listen. It was weird, but I liked it. Yeah, I think it's a cool way to get into the song. Especially since it feels like uh, the, the whole song is about memory, right? The memory of all this stuff is where heaven is. It's a place in my head because it happened before and it's gone. And I think that's a cool way to indicate this flashback kind of thing. It feels like we're busting through into the past a little bit. I love the chorus on this song. The instrumentals are on point. They're rocking the whole way through that pre-chorus, chorus, post-chorus run. Yeah. Top song. Don't know if it's top three yet, but definitely top song. Top something. It's top something. Whether well, top three, we'll find We'll find out. They, they do a lot of this stuff where they'll make contrasting statements without directly contrasting them so you got the moonlight guides the way right which is you know brings up a, a night drive no headlights the moonlight guides the way right which gives you like nighttime dark moon right vibes nighttime dark moon vibes yes yeah listen nighttime dark moon vibes uh but then they immediately followed up with the next line which is your tan lines burned in my mind 
right? I love that lyric. Yeah, I love that line so much. It's a great line on its own, right? Because tan lines you get from the sun basically burning you. But then, like I said, the fact that they just they were just talking about nighttime dark moon vibes to immediately follow it up with being burned by the sun. It's just a great contrast that when you stop and think about it, you realize, but you wouldn't necessarily pick up on right away. Yes. Good enough to leave me silently screaming. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to make the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Silently Screaming is track 11, and musically, I think it's one of the more unique tracks on this record. There's a lot of unique melodic intervals that give the whole chord progression this kind of pseudo-dissonance. It's uniquely cohesive. Like, I don't felt, I don't feel like the song was out of place on the, on the album, but it definitely stood out. Yeah, this is a real drum and bass song, too. They really help keep this whole thing on track. I described the opening beat uh, as walking down the sidewalk with a boombox vibes. Does it have walking down a sidewalk with a boombox? Oh, I don't know. I just, I could see somebody like boombox on the shoulder, like strutting while that opening beat was playing. I don't know. I think it's, I think that's part of it is the tempo of the song. Yeah. Lyrically, I think this one's also very unique. It stands out in that way too, because the lyrics are pretty raw and I think they've got more teeth than the typical Bad Sons track, I'd say, right? Every fear I've ever known comes out to play. You terrorize me, she hypnotized me. I've told some pretty lies, kept truth in disguise. But the chorus is really, really where it got me, right? Silently screaming lies on the phone. Every reason to let go of every demon clutching my bones. So good. But this unbearable feeling feels like home. I was like, wow. It's like we took a whole shift and we're listening to a different record now, lyrically. We're listening to the record of Nighttime Dark Moon vibes. <laughs> we'll talk about that. It gets a little dark. Yeah. But honestly, it's it's not so bad because they put it, again, every time it's a push and a pull, give and a take this entire album because the dark lyrics are right up against this really intriguing guitar part and the bass and the drums keep it up and the energy high the whole time it's it's very bright despite the dark lyric they also hit you with that bright saxophone solo uh-huh a lot of those lately for us <laughs> yeah that's, the, that's another one of those trends we're gonna have to break we just broke it last week randy travis didn't have any i think this song gets a little itty bitty played out by the end even though it's a pretty good groove the pulse just gets to me after the end of the whole like three and a half minutes interesting i really liked it i did too yeah i don't have again i was a little nitpicky on this record uh for the most part i don't have too much bad to say i like the next song a lot too oh it's so clever calling it grace grace parentheses i think i'm in love again because grace is the name of the person that like he's singing about right grace on the first night i saw your face which again if you're gonna get nitpicky with your with your rhymes that's kind of weaker uh i'm nitpicky on that one uh so the name of that but then also like this idea of finding love again like and the idea of what grace is as like not a name yeah it's uh, it obviously has other literal meanings as a homonym I, and again with the lyrics too i'm with you i don't like the way they do grace face cyberspace but i liked cyberspace face and place were the problem sure but then like flip that and top it with you eclipse me our lips meet make my heart beat in the back seat of your car i think i'm in love again it's just every time they do something that dips that's like that's a to the moon line while the rhyme isn't great most of your rhymes with grace are gonna be pretty lackluster i think yeah most of the rhymes with grace would be pretty out of place yeah i see what you're doing there I don't like it, but I see it. And, you know, this one's not a disgrace. Oh, man. You know, I, I'm okay with I'm okay with it because I want the, I don't want them to change the name from Grace, right? I like the thematic side of it being her name being Grace. And so I'll deal with the face place cyberspace rhymes. They come with the territory. Right. And they 
pull away in other places too, like the bridge where they don't have to talk about grace at all. They say, remember days of elation, nights so divine, so happy I could cry, reflected diamonds in your eyes. Those baby blue eyes. Diamonds are blue. But yeah, sure. Overall, I think this is a mid-tier song for me where, where it balances out. Lyrically, it's a lot stronger, but musically it leans very very heavy on the I think I'm in love again hook. And I just wanted more from it. I really like the heartbeat in the bridge. Yes, that was a nice touch. Again, that's not something that normally I'd go for, but I liked it. It, it can and it will. <laughs> the final track is Symphony of Lights. And like we mentioned, I guess they alluded to it way back up in Baby Blue Shades. Oh, they alluded to it way earlier than that, but we'll get to it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Talk about the rest of the song first. I think Symphony of Lights is a little bit of a rough start with the drums, but I do love the little plink of the keyboard that keeps us anchored around the rhythm of the rest of the instruments. That was a cool way to do it. But it did. It honestly, it felt like such a relief when they hit the pre-chorus and the drums stopped. I was like, oh, it's about time. You know, there's just a little bit too much for me. I went back and listened to the pro- the drums you had problems with on Randy Travis, and I still didn't have problems with them. So I think you're just, you're drum sensitive. I might be. I don't know. What's the Randy Travis ones? They were a little synthetic and in your face, right? But that's neither here nor there. Well, it's not here. The bridge is cool, right? Look towards the sky, a symphony of lights. We're alive. I could see it in your eyes. That feels very apocalyptic. Whenever. Uh, I like the high note on the word news when they hit bad news and they hold out news and they hit the high note. Great. Again, like you said, they nailed the chorus hit. They nailed the bridge. Just all the things that they've been nailing, they continue to nail. And they nailed it. They ended the song with an instrumental outro, which I love. I always love it when an album or a song in general ends with an instrumental outro to just kind of wrap it up. Yeah, it was interesting to me because the main chunk of the song felt so short. Almost like it was an afterthought. Mm-hmm, I know. And then the last 50 seconds kind of felt like a lullaby. But they bring you full circle. The instrumentals that they end you on are the same ones they started you with on Apocalypse Whenever. It's amazing. I love that. What a great way to bring your album full circle than with the exact same instrumental Apocalypse Whenever. Especially on a song that you said Symphony of Light's already kind of sounded a bit apocalyptic on its bridge to bring it all the way full around they really just all the themes both lyrically instrumentally thematically they just all came up in a nice little bow in that one instrumental ending yeah i i like when albums do that uh there are a couple others that i know i mean pink floyd the wall is a notable example billy joel uh his album nylon curtain loops you know a bit of the first song again at the end of the last song and that really does just do a lot of work to give the album that extra little boost of cohesion right? It makes the whole thing feel more like an intentional collection. And it is a cool way to end this album, which I think takes us into final spin, if I'm ending the album correctly. I guess, yeah. I think if I had to put one song on our playlist for myself, it's going to be Baby Blue Shades. Interesting. It's a hard pick. It's a hard pick because to do that, I have to snub Peachy and Silently Screaming and, you know, so many of the other ones, all the other ones. But Baby Blue Shades, it was one of the quickest ones that I latched onto and it stayed good throughout so I'm okay with that as your pick I think we got, I gotta go with silently screaming I think that's a good choice I think it's the catchiest the next catchiest being probably summer lightning and so I think I'll go with silently screaming because I think you liked it better this is an interesting album to score you told me not to be critical till I heard your score so get ready to be criticized <laughs> Yeah, I'm ready. I think the lyrics, just here are my notes as a whole, right? 
okay? The lyrics are pretty good throughout, but on the songs where the lyrics do take a bit of a dip, the music gets to be some of the best on the album. So there's a good balance, a really good balance between music and lyrics because maybe coincidentally or maybe intentionally, where one is weaker, the other one can shine more. The vibe feels really solid all the way through, and a lot of their production decisions, they kind of make this whole album feel so bright and airy, even though a lot of this subject matter is heavier and more intense. You know, these are almost all breakup songs, and, you know, I'm so sad songs, and remember the good old days songs. Like, there's not a lot of happiness in the lyrics, but the music is totally bright and sunny. This is going to be a really fun album to have on repeat all summer long, to be honest. Music, I'm giving it an 88. I think a lot of these songs are catchy. They're going to stick in your head. You know, there are a couple of spots where they kind of get into a rut or they dip a little bit, but that doesn't affect the music score too terribly negatively. Lyrics is maybe the score I'm the most dissatisfied with at the moment, and maybe after time it would change a little bit. Right now, I'm thinking lyrics are right around an 80. Interesting. They have so many unique and creative lyrics that the few times that they are forced to go with the weaker rhymes, they're really going to drop it that much. 80 is still respectable, though. I think 80 is still pretty good. And again, that score is mostly the one that's susceptible to change for the better over time. Instruments and production, frankly, no complaints. I'm giving it a 92, and I could even be persuaded up to a 3 or 4. Do it. 3 or 4 it. I'm <laughs> persuading you right now. I couldn't be persuaded that easily. And for the vibe, I think it's going to get a 90. Giving it a 90 for vibe, which I think you're going to think is pretty low. Yes, you, th- you thought correctly. No, a lot of these songs are tied together very well, and... I mean, it's pretty consistent. Extremely well. Way better than most anything else we've done. I don't know about that, but... In terms of vibe, absolutely. I think, th- like I said, this is one of the few times that the songs actually enhance one another. Like, more so than... We've done ones that they've all gone together or stylistically fit, but this is one where they enhance one another in a way that just we haven't really seen much. Not much. That's true. I'll give you that. And so 90 is too low. There's just one or two of these songs that wouldn't make my everything all the time playlist. That's mostly, you know, what it is, two or three that just might not make it there. In the same way that you have a couple that wouldn't make your top three contention. My top nine. Yeah. So that's where my scores land. And overall, that is an 87.4. Which puts it... At number 134. Interesting. It is interesting. And I think, honestly, okay, I know... So that's lower than Mystic Truth. It is. It is. And I was thinking about this, and to compare the two is a little bit like comparing apples and oranges, because they're just so different stylistically. But if you increased the instruments in production, you said you were willing to go up a couple on, and if the lyrics went up a couple like you think it might, it could end up higher than Mystic Truth. I mean, I suppose. Either way, they're very close. Very similar, and I'd highly recommend these two albums to anybody who's a fan of alt-pop music or just, you know, wants a fun album to listen to. It's full of sad themes. You know, fun asterisk. (laughs) It's fun to listen to, but you might choose not to focus on the lyrics all the time. What about you? So the only album that we've done so far that I think is comparable to this one is the band Camino, and that's one that you've very highly praised. So I'm curious to see where this one falls on your list, because overall it seems like you've been a lot more positive about this one. Like comparing the two, this one had less, I'm not going to call them dud songs, they had less weaker songs. So like you said, you had your lookups on the band Camino and stuff that just felt out of place on the album. This one 
the the vibe and the cohesion of it like i said it's it's phenomenal it's it hits it out of the park um yeah this is like i said like i already said this is one of the most cohesive sounding and thematically cohesive albums that i think we've done on this podcast uh the kind of album that i feel like i will enjoy now that i don't have to listen to it critically i'll be able to just put it on full blast in my car with the windows down coming this summer and just really enjoy it too it's it was a great listener recommendation shout out to the listener who recommended it you know who you are (laughs) You know who you are. For a top three, gosh, um, I've written, as we went down and talked about them, I put them in album order, my top three plus Carnival Mention. I could be so easily persuaded to change it, though. So, But here's what I'm sticking with for the episode. Lock it in. Personally, personally, I might change my mind, but for the episode, it's in album order, Summer Lightning, Nightclub, Silently Screaming, with Carnival Mention going to Symphony of Light. Interesting. I I disagree about almost all of those for my tops. (laughs) So I don't think I'm going to have to guess too hard at at the score you're going to give this one. I'm going to give this one a three. No. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine? (laughs) I'm giving this one nine nighttime dark moon vibes out of ten. Nine nighttime dark moon vibes. It's ironic because... This album is very bright and sunny and airy, and to call it a nighttime dark moon vibe feels ominous and and scary. It feels like an apocalypse whenever. Whenever, yeah, it does. And in terms of slotting it, I think it's going to go right above Band Camino and right below Plastic Arts. Wow, that's honestly right about where I thought you'd put it. I'm impressed that it's above the Bank Camino. I I don't see myself listening to it compulsively like the like. 80, 90 sometimes I did the Plastic Hearts right before we recorded it, or Dua Lipa after we recorded it, or Billy Joel that I've done my whole life. But I do think I liked it slightly better as a whole to Ban Camino, I think. In a song for song, like, you know, boxing match, maybe the Ban Camino songs could hold their own individually in a fight. But as an album, I think this one beat it out. Oof, sorry, Mom. That's a Ban Camino joke. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Nine Nighttime Dark Moon vibes is... More than nine units Camino, but less than nine plastic knives. Correct. Okay, that's how it's scaled. <laughs> that's that's how it's scaled. <laughs> okay, I, I think I'm pretty unsurprised by that score. I'm glad you liked this album. I did too. It was one that took more than one listen for me, so I'm glad that you're used to the one listen thing. It's, it's pretty much, I'm excited to get this album on the playlist and all these songs in rotation because I think this is a pretty great album and on that note all that's left to say is keep an eye on all our social media if you want to see all the spin it related content that spin it industries is churning out we've got some real exciting episodes coming up and you don't want to miss them so check it out at spin it pod on twitter and at spin it pod official on instagram www.spinitpod.com on the web and uh yeah until next week have a great week and keep spinning keep on spinning through the pot spin through that apocalypse whenever every time i say apocalypse now i have to think whenever because i was so worried i was gonna (laughs) call it apocalypse now (laughs) yeah yeah maybe that's the movie that this is the soundtrack for maybe it does exist oh like the sequel the sequel to apocalypse now coming out whenever apocalypse whenever (laughs) i love it